0: Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth
1: and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I am blessed and grateful to be sitting with Justin Sliva today, the land investor, the hype man. The man who's going to show you an amazing strategy, an amazing way to build a phenomenal system in your business so that you can identify more leads, so that you can capture more opportunities, and so that you can design a lifestyle that you can be present within, so that you can be a great father, a great mother, you know, a great family member, a great friend, because the systems and the strategies that we're going to talk about today and that you're going to learn today you can apply immediately to create the life of your dreams, right? To create the life that you're proud of. And there's so much power in this conversation, you're going to learn so much. And I just want to encourage you to buckle up because today is a phenomenal day. Are you ready to take it to another level? I have no doubt we're going to do that today. I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate, as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. Of course, today is a very, very real estate focused show. And you're going to learn so much of how you can apply and really take your real estate game to the next level, whether you're a land investor, which many are not, uh, or you invest in, in any other asset class in real estate, but you're going to learn a lot about not only how to apply these strategies to be a great land investor, uh, but also how you can identify and apply those strategies towards whatever niche that you have. So this is for high-performing real estate investors who have a desire to be even higher performing so you know you're in the right place if that is you it is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise a bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond of course you're going to learn about the beyond today and why what that really means what what really is that beyond and and really justin is really showing us that in such a big way today of course we will distill the mindset the habits routines the systems, the strategies, the tools, and so much more from Justin Sleva, so that you can learn how to elevate to a life without limits. And at the end of the day, if you appreciate what we are doing on this show, if you're enjoying Elevate, first of all, thank you so much for being here. Um, The fee for you to be here today is really just to pay it forward, just to share it with a friend, share it with a colleague, a business associate, someone that you work with, uh, you name it, share this with a friend and uh, you'll learn at the end of the show that you're going to have three takeaways you're going to look for three takeaways today that you can apply immediately and I'm going to tell you right now there's more than three but don't overwhelm yourself because simplicity is the ultimate sophistication as and as you will learn in today's episode complexity is the enemy of all execution so look for those three things and once you get those three things pay it forward and share this episode with a friend of course we want to encourage you to subscribe and follow this podcast because we're going to continue to bring heat. We're going to continue to bring massive value on Elevate Podcast. So I want to invite you to subscribe, give us a rating and a review. Give us some feedback on what you love about this podcast. What is it that you are really transforming? How are you evolving as an investor, as a human being? And how is your lifestyle evolving as a result? Because we're going to continue to bring this heat day in and day out. And I'm telling you, we are just getting started on Elevate Podcast. If you want to take your game to the next level, we invite you to check out ElevateCoachingAcademy.com. Again, that's ElevateCoachingAcademy.com, which is all about the Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy. So if you're a real estate investor and you've really gotten your feet underneath you, but you really want to take it to the next level and even much farther beyond that, and you want to do big things in real estate and in your life and design that lifestyle of your dreams, we want to pour into you and we would love the opportunity to pour into you through Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy, which Trevor McGregor and myself have created a world-class opportunity for you to collaborate with others who have a burning desire for greatness, who have a burning desire for an uncommon life, because we all have the capacity to do that. It's just a matter of developing and implementing the appropriate strategies and getting clear on what it is that you wanna accomplish and how you want to get there. And so that's what we're going to coach you on. So we'd love to give you that opportunity. Go check out the free masterclass on elevatecoachingacademy.com. Again, elevatecoachingacademy.com. With all that said, I want to introduce you to the man, the myth, the legend, Justin Sleva. He is the raw land investing expert, and he knows exactly where new investors struggle. He has had massive success in his own business and today is on a mission to help others Learn to harness the enormous potential offered by land investments, incredible return on investment, massive cash profits, and sustained passive income. After helping hundreds of other land investors find and sell amazing properties at unbelievable profits, Justin collaborated in creating powerful resources to support new and seasoned land investors along their journey. He and his co-host Adam launched a Casual Fridays REI podcast, and build a comprehensive online course that not only answered all the questions that they had received from consulting clients, but also incorporated the best of their own combined experience. Justin is here today to show our listeners that there's more than one way to achieve success when it comes to raw land investing. So without further ado, enjoy this phenomenal conversation with the great Justin Sleva. Justin, my friend, welcome to the show, how are you? Tyler, thank you, man, it's great, I'm doing good today. It's beautiful weather here in Texas. Absolutely. Well, it's springtime here in in Louisville, Kentucky as well. And uh, we're blessed and grateful. I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with you. And uh, man, I had really a lot of fun with our conversation right before we started recording here. And I'm excited about this discussion today. So with that said, let's dive in here. I'd love for you to describe yourself at least for how would your close friends or family describe you? Like, what would they say about you?
0: Oh, man, I I wish I knew, but I think they would they would probably call you that that crazy friend with the caring heart, like don't know what's quite going to come out of his mouth, but you know, the intent is always to be really good and, and just be, you know, always the, the hype man for you, because I, I kind of put off a, a high energy, but at the same time, I go left field too. So it's kind of one of those. And I think that any entrepreneur, or high performing person in a corporate world, it's kind of the same way. They, they see things a little bit differently.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I Everybody needs a hype man too. Everybody you know, needs that guy who's really pumping you up and i could tell that about you immediately so i just think that that really emanates from you so i'll, I'll definitely echo those sentiments as well but okay. before we were talking today you were talking about a little bit of your background and sort of being in corporate america and the pivots that you were maybe required to make so could you tell the listeners a little bit more about that experience
0: yeah man i love that story and it's and you know it's it took a while for me to get okay with that story not because it it's embarrassing to I, my separation agreement says, I, I can't say I was fired, but you know, when you have, <laughs> you have something like that, or you have your, you work your, your butt off for uh, 13 years in an industry. I, I went, I hired out my senior year in college. I got a job offer at a fortune 100 railroad to work on the ground level. And the guy's like, Hey, you show up, you're going to make six figures. Well, I can do that. Right. All I gotta do is answer the phone and go to work and I'm going to be there 12 hours, go out of town for a day in Quebec. So I started as a ground as a conductor, worked my way to engineer, and then they had this opportunity for guys that they felt understood the rules, kind of high performance, but had ground experience because they hired a lot of managers straight out of college with no ground experience. And so I got fast tracked into a program with the company. And it, if you succeeded every year, you were moving. Um, and so we lived in eight house or seven houses in eight years. Um, I was a band D level form, probably one of the younger band D levels there were on the, the system. And I got recruited to go to a short line as an executive over there. I was there two years and I got that, that dreadful Friday morning call. My VP at HR and me were real close because we had similar backgrounds, came from bigger railroads and worked in some of the same areas, knew a lot of the same people. And she called me at 6.45 in the morning, which she never did. And she's like, hey, where are you at? And I was like, I'm about to pull into the yard office because my office wasn't at our headquarters. It was at our, our big terminal. And uh, she's like, hey, come by the HR or come by the, the corporate office. And I said, OK, is everything OK? She said, I'll see you in a minute. And at that moment, I knew there was something going on. So I sit down at the table, the CEO, me and her, and um, had that conversation, signed the separation agreement. And I find myself at home, um, just like my identity gone, right? Walked out of the office with a box. My employees are crying as I'm walking out. So I'm like, okay, I know I wasn't doing a bad job. But I've done everything I knew how to do. Um, the railroad ran faster, made more money, was safer. Um what you're taught to do as a, as a leader in that industry. And so it it took a while for me to get okay with just understanding it was just different visions for where the company was going. He had a vision where he wanted, he thought he knew a guy that made you better. Um, and so we, we shook hands and parted ways, but I had started a a, a real estate company about three months prior to on a side for my wife. And we sent out our first marketing blitz out there and it's a, uh, we send direct mail. Um, we send blind offers. Um, so a little bit different than what a lot of people do in real estate, but we send out a lot of mail and our first mailing campaign was like 2,500 pieces of mail. And if you know anything about blind offers, you get people, you get three types of people, people that call and cuss you out and tell you you're crazy. You get people that just throw it away, the normal people. And then you get people that accept the offer and want to talk about it. And so we got a lot of people that hated us for our first offer. And my wife is, not type A like me. She's a little bit more reserved, conservative. And it's it, it overwhelmed her. She said, I'll sit in the back, you talk to him. And so um, the first two months while I was working at that railroad, as I'd leave the office, she would check out the properties that came in that day. And I would write notes and I would call the people back on my 45 minute drive home. And we did that and we bought 21 properties off that first mailing campaign, which was wow. an unreal amount of response, right? And I'm saying this for story for, for reason. So I, I sit at home two months later. I've got this new company. I am in the process or have bought part of that 21. And I'm sitting by the pool and I and I remember it vividly, vividly, because I was sitting there and I was like, man, I am a loser. Because I had a company truck and I had to give it back. So I had no car. I got no job. But then I had that had that moment of sitting there watching my pool pity party feeling sorry for myself. I said, you know what? I I got this business. That, I got money to live for a year. Let's give it a shot. I'll go six months. Worst case thing that happens. I call my old employer back. They've already offered me a job. They heard they heard before I got home that I was let go and they had another job offer waiting, but I had to move. And that was a stipulation for my wife because she didn't want to move. She likes where we're at in Fort Worth because our families are here. So, you know, fast forward four years later this week. um, Here we are. We're still sitting there going, we can give it six months. We're
1: going to be okay." My goodness, what an amazing story. And really, I'm sure thinking back, obviously, in that moment, you mentioned even your identity was gone. And you felt, and I know many of the listeners can relate to that. They can understand that because a lot of times, you know, type A, high performing type of individuals, our identity is tied to our performance and, and yep. to our, to our professional identity. And, and obviously we can go really meta on that if we really yeah. want to, but what an experience and, and, you know, a wrench that was thrown into your, your path. That then you yeah. said all right well how can i pivot and how can i use the resources that i have and be as resourceful as possible to go from there so what else what, what were some other gifts of that circumstance that really allowed you to propel forward well that you know the time
0: spent in corporate america it taught me a couple of different things um i was i figured out about myself as we all have natural talents that our, our brain just works in certain ways and so throughout that i found out i was really good at processes i was able to look at somebody's process simplify it. I don't want to say dumb it down. I know it's the wrong word, but really take all the fluff and the waste and out of it. And, you know, in real estate, we see all, we see so many gurus selling us the automation tool or this or that. When a lot of times it's not a tool we need, it's just a cleanup of the process or simplifying the whole deal. And and, and what the, the military calls, keep it simple, stupid, you know, the kiss method. And we, we overlook that, we'd rather throw money at a problem versus just looking at it and making sure our, our steps are in the right order or, or our, um, our business is lined up right. So I was able to take that and throw that into my real estate business and able to grow it without having to take on a ton of intake managers and and VAs and CRMs and all these things that we, we like for buzzwords at the REI meetup.
1: Yeah. No. And, I, and you know, it really makes me think about the philosophy that complexity is the enemy of all execution, right? And if you can simplify, because at the end of the day, we're not recreating the wheel and so many different strategies, right? You think about what's your niche? Well, it's not about, you know, you're not creating a rocket ship to go to Mars, you know, you're executing on investing in real estate or, you know, whatever that is. And so obviously your niche is land investing. So let's talk about that. Why do you love land investing? It's,
0: it's one of those things. So I could go back and say, this has been done since the beginning of time. You know, what, what's the Tom? Is it, and there's a, there's a quote out there by land. They're not making anymore. Or is it Mark Twain? It says that I could give you that, that answer and be like, Oh, you know, it's true, but I love its simplicity. Um, there, to me, there's something about owning a piece of dirt that is it's, it's American. It's, and I know that's the wrong <laughs> word, but it's, there's a, there's an ego eccentric piece of that. And so, you know, at first, when I bought my first, when I first got introduced to me, um, my best friend, we had an Amazon side hustle together. We, we had three number one products, you know, we thought we were doing good. And then he comes over to me, he comes to the house one day, he said, hey, man, I want to get back into real estate investing. He was a real estate investor before the crash, crash having wiped him out. He came to work with me at the railroad, I had a job for him, paid off all his debts, got started again. We started the Amazon company, as uh, dropship, And then he said, let's, uh, I want to start the real estate company. And so that's what really introduced me to it. He started buying five acre properties for 500 bucks. And I'm like, if I can buy five acres for $500, I will buy everyone one you throw in front of me, right?
1: <laughs> Seriously.
0: And yeah. And that's so where you're like, wait, what? Let's talk about it. So um, he, he bought those and he sold, he was selling them for $2,500 a pop. And I'm like, I can do math. And I'm like, okay, I spend 500 and I make 2,500, it's $2,000 profit. I got a lot of $500 in my savings account. I can put some $500 to work. He's like, man, let's not do it together. Let's do it separate though. And he's my, and and now he gets mad when I tell this story because he's my co-host on the the podcast and we did it different. We did it separately, differently, all this way up to to now. And now we do deals together and we've always done some deals together, but the, the idea of buying a piece of real estate, whatever that asset class is for me, it's land, um, buying it less than it's worth and just selling it for more, whether you want to call it arbitrage or capturing a margin or capturing a profit, you just do that over and over and over.
1: Yeah, no, my goodness. And and it goes back to the simplicity, right? You don't have yeah. to overthink this, right? Because yeah. again, complexity is the enemy of the execution. So let's keep it simple and let's apply a method that works and then let's scale it, which is really what you've done. So let's talk a yeah. little bit about your method, your niche and how you approach your business. You, are, you already talked a little bit about mailing campaigns and blind offers. But yeah. Maybe you could go into a little bit more depth there. And I'd love to. It's uh, so... When we first started, we had
0: we went through a course, like a lot of people do, and just seemed to find some holes in it. And when two months into the business, you lose that job, that identity, you're forced to make a decision. I can sit and complain because the coach didn't tell me everything I needed to know. Or you can try to apply what you know from elsewhere. And put it to work, and so that's what we did. And I say we, and I always talk in we because of corporate America. Um, my company's me.
1: I do that too. I yeah. notice that about myself. I'm like we, and they're like, who's we? And I'm like, oh, I guess it's just me.
0: Yeah, but you yeah, do. So that I always ask too. that. So, uh, I, while I've had employees over the this period, um, we keep our company really small uh, for for uh, for a reason. So, and I'll and I'll walk into that too. But we look for. Um, what I call a bass boat property. It's a term I coined early on and people thought it was a crazy term. Um, but you think about corporate America, you think about the guys sitting at the, the lunch table with their water cooler, and they're talking about going out and going bass fishing on their bass boat, they're talking about their Harley Davidson they're talking about their RV, they're talking about their hot rod they have in the garage that they take out on a weekend, that 50 $60,000 item that they really don't need, but they brag about it because they are men and we like to brag. And we focus on that type of property. Those properties are two to three hours outside of a major metropolitan area, they you can camp on them, you can hunt on them, they're over five acres, um, and they go up to hundred acres, but we look at that type of market sub uh, market value of about $2,500 or less per acre. And we blast those owners, uh, with direct mail. Um, we price it at, we send offers of anywhere from 25 to 35 cents on a dollar. And yes, we get a lot of angry people back because we're offering so much, but we do get people that are interested, um, for every thousand letters I send out, I get one property closed, uh, th- that changed a little bit during COVID last year but we still did extremely well through COVID. And, and we saw those numbers pop, uh, come back about Q4 last year. So um, we send those letters out. I have a print shop in, um, in Florida that mails it out for me. They have the best pricing I can find. I send a two-page letter with a uh, contract on it or a property offer. They just have to sign and send back and then we get it into title. And title agents in that area close it for us. And then I hire a land agent there to sell it. Um, people are like, well, you could sell it yourself. Yeah, we, we teach how to do that. But we also you understand the power of a buyer's list and a person that understands the market. And when you're a foreign entity or a company based in Texas and you're selling something in Florida, it's a lot better when you have somebody in Florida that knows about the property that can walk them out there and teach them about it and talk to them.
1: Yeah. So there's obviously two pieces of the, of the dynamic. Um, that's, that's really important. Obviously your list of sellers, right? And so occupying yep. the, the the correct list so that you're mailing to people that have the capacity to sell, and then mm-hmm. obviously on the back end from what you do, it sounds like it's about a 90 day process typically from closing the property to selling it to the, to the next end user. Is that correct? So from us money in to
0: money out, it's typically a hundred days. Okay. So, Got it. yeah. So that says you're right on it with the 90 day part. Um, we build our list ourselves. We have two different access sources. We've built, we've partnered with a company called Priced P-R-Y-C-D. Um, they price... Uh, they scrub the data, price the data, everything's automated. Uh, we partnered with them early on and helped them design their pricing algorithm. And they have really, these guys are super smart and taken off with it. Um, but it pulls from DataTree, which is a first American uh, company, and they have an API feed directly into them. So they get the data cheaper than anybody else can get it. They have the ability to scrub and price your, your list. And then we send it to our print shop, uh, Rocket Print and Mail in Florida. And like, I'm giving you the names, you're more than welcome to use them. And we have, Discounts awesome. lined up. You can go to our website and get them for free and, and use it. Tell them Justin sent you. They'll, they'll wave <laughs> at you. They know me. Uh, but uh, through that print house, we've probably sent over 4 million pieces of mail in the last wow. two years with them, uh, through awesome. us and our clients. Yeah. Um, you You mentioned the different pieces of it. We do this virtually, though. So I've bought in 42 states from Texas.
1: And then, so as far as your end user list, I mean, is that something that you've built over the years as well? Is that, or is that more of a, Hey, I've got partners that help me continue to develop that piece. uh, When you say the buyers, when you sell your piece of land. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question. And that's how we're able to do this is we use the, we, so when
0: you're comping a property to decide if it has value, you're looking at, you know, the listings and you're seeing who has the nicest listings. You're seeing the agencies or the brokerage houses that are doing that. You see their agents we utilize them. Because if that person in a county has 13 sold properties that match what yours are, and everybody else has one or two, there's nobody better than that person. Mm -hmm. And if you're comping the same property for property, they already sell what you're going to list anyway. So I could go and try to build, you know, 300 counties worth of buyers list, it's not going to do me any good. But I can use that person who does have that already, because that's where they live. That's their bread and butter. And then I assist them by using things like Facebook Uh, boosted post, driving them to their link, letting them answer it. And so we use little tricks like that. The old days of the neighbor letter with Facebook, we can make a virtual neighbor letter and have it pop up on their feed. And so if somebody's interested in land in between the ages, it shows up and they're going, oh, wow. Yeah. How did I know I wanted to buy land and and just next door in Mena, Arkansas? And there's 40 acres. This guy's got a really good price on it. Let me call him. And they click on it. It goes to our agent, not me. Agent answers the questions, gets the contract calls and says, hey, Justin, we had an offer what do you want to do? Usually it's a text. I'm like,
1: sell it. And we, <laughs> we, we sign and close and get the wire back in for the, the profit. That's so fun. No, I love it. And, um, you know, it really th- it makes me think of points of leverage, right? Because yep. you're identifying the points of leverage in terms of your team, on the mailing campaigns and identifying those folks who are decision makers giving them an opportunity to you know monetize their piece of land that makes sense for them and then on your point you're identifying those points of leverage from the brokerage community as well as other technological resources such as facebook or otherwise but is there anything else that you point to in terms of points of leverage in your method and it's uh we use
0: professionals in their craft and so when people start thinking about real estate investing and you think of a guy that's going to work in a city, like say if I'm Dallas, Fort Worth, one of the hottest flipping markets right now. So usually you have a wholesale that is fine in your house. And then you have an intake manager, then you have a, a GC that you always work with and you have these people on your team. And usually you have to keep them busy. If they're not busy, they're worried about it. We're able to take professionals in each one of these parts of our business and have them do it. They're not relying if we only get one deal or if we get 20 deals, we're just helping their end cause of the year. So we leverage that professional for what they do and they're paid on a per thing basis. So we're able to do that across the nation. And that's really what's made us scale fast.
1: Yeah. So talk to me about the rest of the team dynamics. Otherwise you're talking a little bit about obviously keeping it lean internally, yeah. but could you give us a little color there? Yeah. So, uh, occasionally I'll bring on a, a,
0: a uh, an intern. My last intern was coming out of the military and I have a he was a land investor already, and he, was, he had a master's at MIT, so I feel bad calling him an intern, um, but you know, what we did was help build his business, um, take it from you know kind of part-time job to his full-time, and he's recently had twins, kind of like myself, so it's funny that you know he cold-called me to start it, and this was in 2018, and he's like, hey, man, I'd like to come do this, and so he explained to me what he needed to do, and I said, yeah, sure, so he was the first one I brought on. Um, he worked with me for a year. And now his business is on its own. He's bought out his original partner and he's, you know, he's making six figures a year and he's watching his kids grow up. And that's the important thing is that he has the time to do that. Um, we have a, but we still partner on deals together. Um, the, uh, my, not my last employee was my, was my sister-in-law and she worked with me for about a year and a half. And then one of my clients made her an offer to, take half of his company and she runs his company now. And oh, so they, they work together, but we, we still do deals together too. It's like, so we're doing a subdivide right now in Texarkana. And so me and her will spend seven hours in the car because she wants to go see it. So I'm like, we don't need to, she's like, let's go. <laughs> so we're going to drive out so we can see it together. But you know, for the most part it's, I call it just an ink because I have the professionals in each spot that are supposed to do their job. So I just let them know when it's
1: their time to do it. And then you just push the button and they go yeah i love that and that's one of the things i love about real estate is that there are so many different contractors or folks Mm -hmm. that are professionals in their own right whether they're brokers you know whether they're appraisers whether they're title companies or what have you Mm -hmm. you know you talked about even the the company that does the mailing campaigns for you i mean that's a perfect example you know you don't have to build an organization of 100 people to do Mm -hmm. big things and to invest in 42 states and i'm sure you're going to get to all 50 eventually but you know, I know one of the the big sort of the, the ways that your your strategy makes sense is that you're able to buy properties for you know pennies or dimes or nickels on the dollar, so to speak, yeah. and obviously, you know, turn it around and you know make that dollar, right? Make sell it at, yep. at market value. So could you talk a little bit about your evaluation process? I mean, obviously you've got a huge um, I guess, pipeline of of leads and deals that you're kind of evaluating. Is there anything do you ever look at a deal and say, hey, we made an offer, but we need to rescind this because it doesn't make sense? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And that's what, so if people get over the fact of us offering solo, then the next question
0: is, well, how do I know if it's really worth what it is? So our, our in our course, we teach this and we take a basically a four point stance on it. I First thing I look is I use a GIS software, whether it's the county or one of the other softwares you have, like uh, MapRite, ParcelFact, I have Parlay over Google Earth, but I use those in See if it's going make make sure it has maintained access because if I can't get a buyer onto the property, it does me no good. You know, so we look for legal and physical maintained access, uh, and from there we look at the topography to make sure it's a usable topography. It's not a wetland. It's not a flood zone, and then that from the third check is is the value. Is it really worth what we think it is? And so we use the, the different resources out there, like Lands of America, for, for example, has a map function hidden in there that nobody really talked to us about early on how to comp a property or how to how to run the pricing is to go, oh, just mail mailers is for $100 an acre, you're going to get it. And then, No, that's not how you do it. You we, we zoom right into the parcel, you can see your parcel. And as you start working back, it'll list everything that's sold or listed around you and you can get a good valuation because you have a like-kind property. You can see their listings. You can see the type of a terrain it is. If it's the same type of tree, if it's a flood zone, if it's wet, if it has a Creek, if it doesn't, and you can make a valuation really quick. And if it's, if we offered them 10 grand and we see it sells all day at 30, better believe we're going to do that deal. And it's mm-hmm. low risk, high reward when compared to like the housing market, like, you know, we talk houses, we talk rule of 70, right? You know, we want to, you want to be all in, with your remodel and everything, 70% of ARV, then you look at, you reverse it back for your, your rent rate and you look at, hey, 1% is pretty good. If I can get 2%, I'm hitting the home run. If I'm just real close to 1%, I can make the numbers work. Um, you know, with this, when we're saying, hey, we want to double our money. If we if I make 25% of my money, I get mad. You know, in a house, if I make 30%, I, I just killed it, right? And so that's, that's where the fun part of land for me is, but when we talk about that real quickly, we can look at that access. We look at that topography. We look at the the valuation to make sure it's there. Then I double check the owner's name matches the uh, the what I see as the legal stuff. And I glance at the legal description. Then I send it to title. And they do all the back work for me, the, the due diligence piece.
1: Got it. So essentially what you've done is you've scaled your system for creating leads. And when the leads come in, it's then about, all right, now let's get precise here. And let's make sure that it makes sense in terms of our metrics that we need. return on investment here do you also get in the weeds in terms of identifying motivation from sellers or is that not a process for you guys it's so there's not as much emotion with land um
0: i i'd say out of the deal early on and so i I pivoted my business at one point and this is kind of a a trade secret and i I hope the other land investors listening don't like (laughs) taking a run with it but uh one of the things i do a little bit different is i i start mailing out of state owners first because I know I'm not going to mail the guy that has his house on one acre and his land on 40 acres around him. And I'm, I'm trying to insult him with his livelihood. You know, like I'm like saying, Hey, your livelihood's only worth 30 cents on a dollar. I don't want to do that, Yeah. but I want to identify somebody has less emotion and may be motivated at that cash offer they see. So if I offer a guy, you know, he's got, um, 20 acres and I offer him 10 or $14,000 for it, which doesn't sound like a lot of money and just us conversating and you know, that's kind of the disconnect between people that do really well for a long time. They forget that what the rest of America sits at, you know, 85% of Americans have less than five grand in their, uh, in their, their savings account, you know, something like that. It's real close with I'm not exactly on a number. So when I offer them $15,000, that takes their wife on vacation, that fixes the car that may pay for their kid's first year of college. And typically that land was passed down to them or they bought it. And they wish they wouldn't have because their dream has changed. And so it allows me to tell that person, Hey, I'm here. You don't have to do anything, but sign a couple pieces of paper and you're going to get cash for this. I'm taking care of all the fees. I'm taking care of the closing costs. I'm lining everything up. All you have to do is sign it and be done with that. Make your wife happy, triple your savings account and, and really move forward with your life. And yeah. so their, their motivation is, is inconsequential to us because we don't have that emotion of the house. It's just getting them uh, that cash.
1: Typically, if they respond to you, there's a certain level of motivation that may it typically what you found aligns with exactly what you yeah. just described, right? Yeah. yeah. So I mean it's quite cool. it's in, in any real estate business. We we send we
0: generate an inbound lead, then we have to qualify it. I don't know, I don't care if it's house wholesaling, buying apartments, whatever, you have to qualify that lead. My price and them responding with a yes, but or a yes, I take it, yes, but I want a little bit more. Qualify that now I've got a hot lead. So every lead that I talk to that's interested. And when they call, they don't call me. They call my answering service. I, I utilize an answering service that's on the phone 24 hours a day, uh, Pat Live in Florida. They answer for me. They send me a script. And my question is, do you accept the offer? Yes or no? No. If not, what would you sell it for? And hmm. now I've got a number to work with. And so then I have all their information and we work from there. So we, like I said, it's sometimes it's not adding the CRM or it's not adding this automation
1: tool, which just cleaning up the process and getting us to the point. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital. And you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital. a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook. That's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I wanna tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I wanna to, want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're gonna get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. That's so good, man. And it's such a numbers game and, and real estate in many ways is a numbers game. Yeah, And uh, man, I just learned a lot from that, especially the answering service, because I was thinking that was where my mind was going next is how do you deal with all these inbound <laughs> leads? You're spending, you know, you're sending out 40,000 mailers. I'm sure you've got a significant amount of callbacks to a certain degree. Um, yeah. So we did a, uh, we did a, we did a live event last year, right before COVID and uh, it sold out. We had
0: told all of our listeners, Hey guys, we're going to do this thing called project one. We want you to be here. It's 1500 bucks to be at, at our live event. It's sold out in like 6 days. Uh we had 37 people show up. We had we, 35 was our limit. The, so we got 37 squeezed in there. Um and they go, "Okay, what's Project One?" I said, "Guys, I dropped 50,000 pieces of mail in the in the in the box yesterday. Um you're part of the deal. You get 10% just for being here." And they're uh-huh. like, "What?" I said, "10% split against everybody." So we wrote everybody a check. Uh, after we, we bought all the properties and sold all the properties that we got. Uh, the, that's the fun part, right? Is they've never gotten a check at a live event before. We got to have like, talk, we did it at Top off, So we had drinks and uh, we had, you know, dinner the night before with a few of the members that had been around for a while. Uh, but COVID happened. So that was February 29th, six days later, COVID happened. Oh. Uh, it, <laughs> so out of that 50,000 uh, pieces of mail, 55,000 pieces of mail, we actually had 280 yeses or counter offers that came back in. So we had to work through those and make sure we could make a deal. We ended up only buying five of those um, just because we couldn't get them through title because stuff was uh, COVID was happening. We couldn't. There was counties that shut down. There was abstractors that could only give us 30 minutes every three weeks to go do the county records. Um, but off those five properties, we made about 225,000 profit. Wow. Um and then take out their data costs and everything. Uh, so we we paid out each member that each person was there, I think got six uh gets yeah, just around six hundred bucks. Uh, got a check for it. So they paid for to go to the thing, had a fun time at a live event, which they would have came to anyways, but also got paid back for, for COVID to that.
1: that's awesome. So, what what's the downside in the strategy? I mean, what what landmines, for lack of a better word, and and men, um, you know, obviously that fits so well with what we're talking about as far as <laughs> land investing, but what, what's the downside in the strategy? Man, it's,
0: it's, we, I've tried to kind of take it out up front. Like when I say, Hey, I buy maintained legal and physical access. A lot of people, you get a lot of land back. It's, it has a two track to it and it's in the middle of the desert. It's up on the side of a mountain. You know, those are the landmines and people not utilizing tools that are free, like Google earth pro it's a free tool, right? And it's in 3d. So I can see if I zoom out and kind of get a bird's eye view, I can see if it's at the top of a mountain or not. Mm. Where a lot of people don't utilize it, they look at it on a GIS from a straight up and down view. It looks flat to them. Then you turn it on its side, and it's actually a cliff. And you know, so there's things like that. Uh, the access really isn't good. Um, there, people want to overcomplicate it, and mm. it becomes, well, I, I saw this in house. I'm going to try it, and I'm all for trying new things. I, I don't want to come across that way, but there are certain things that work um, pretty pretty much every time, and there's things that you know, we
1: get too frou-frou with or we get yeah. too uh, bougie is probably the better word. <laughs> I like that. So are, you're thinking about your end user to a, to a large degree, obviously, so that you can successfully sell the asset, the you know, the piece of land. Are yeah. you thinking about folks that are looking to develop the parcel or are you looking at land banking investors or who who's typically are your end, end buyers? So remember, we talked about the Bass boat property early on, yep. that that
0: guy is my end user. And that's the guy got I'm it. shopping for right now. Um, do I do other development pieces? Yes, uh, we're doing a, a 12 acre subdivide. and We're making it builder lots. lot. So we know that some family is going to raise their kids on there. So I need to know I've got clean title. I need to clean it up and make it look like they're forever home on two and a half acres. Um, it's across from elementary school. We've got another one. We did a 2424 acre subdivide we're working on right now in Texas, and its end user is the high net worth individual from Austin, San Antonio that wants to hunt year round. Uh, Texas has uh, some specific hunting laws on exotics like axis and Barbado sheep. You can hunt those year round. And then if you manage your wildlife properly, you have white tail deer on there as well. And you hunt those during the regular season. So now we've given that person the opportunity to have a a really nice hunting facility for that half million dollars mark. And we bought it for 3.4. We're cutting it into 12 lots. And we'll, about a half million dollars each because the bank there, a half million dollar loan is two pages. A half million dollar in one is 16 pages. So understanding where your end user is and reverse engineering it back to make it do, to make it it seem possible for
1: them. No, that makes sense. Um, How do you see your strategy evolving over the coming years? I mean, is there anything you're anticipating right now? Yeah. And that's, and that's a really good question because we get
0: asked that all the time and we're always testing new things. That's it's one thing if I went out and got on 30 podcasts and had everybody sending blind offers for land, you're going to seem to saturate the market a little bit. So the idea of any real estate investing company is how do you generate the leads on the inbound, fill up your inbound flow in a pipeline. I don't care if it's houses or departments or land, fill up your inbound pipeline, and then look at your different exit strategies. So what we have done is we always offer owner financing on our land. Um, since we're buying it at 30 cents on a dollar, we typically say, give us 30% down and we'll finance it up to 12 years at 10% interest. So now we've got a 10 year play now on our exit. We're getting our profit over that plus 10%. Um, we're looking at ways to force appreciation. You know, we talked about buying a big piece. Uh, the, the, term in Texas is buy it by the ranch and sell it by the pasture. So <laughs> we, we, look for opportunities to subdivide it down to force that appreciation, uh, we look at ways to develop. Um, when I say develop, not in the, the mindset of I want to bring in a Walmart or a McDonald's, but since our our niche is these these recreational property, how to put a cabin on it? You know, we get local builders that'll build these uh, tiny homes. Everybody loves a tiny home right now. Everybody loves to glamp. Uh, we can build them for seven to eight thousand dollars. You buy a forty acre, you split it into five, you cut one road in, and you put these cabins on it, and now you turn a A seven to $10,000 investment into a $50,000 product. The good thing is we can owner finance them and hold the note with the down payment. And now we're looking at 10 and 12 years. So it all comes from laying over the different niches and looking at that and saying, Hey, what can I do to make something as simple as buying land for cheap and selling it for more to, to generate more
1: revenue for us later on? No, that's so good. And it and it just comes down to, you know, as you continue to expand your experience, you are continuing to be more multifaceted and have yeah. more options and be more creative and be more flexible, which is one of the greatest things about real estate in general is just the flexibility as well as, you know, obviously, all of the different sort of exit opportunities, you're talking about filling up the pipeline, nurturing the leads, and identifying those realistic multiple exit strategies. And really, you've outlined that today for us so well. But why do you think more people don't do this, Justin? I'm just curious. I think people were scared of it. Uh, first off, um, because it's it's not
0: something you hear but from every late night guru. Do right. have you ever seen a TV show on flipping land? You, you no. Haven't. So you've seen it HGTV. I watch it every day, and they're flipping houses, they're selling you houses, they're selling you apartments. And you got Grant Cardone's on Discovery Plus now, and he's talking 10x and everything, and starting his businesses over. So you have that thrown at us on, on social media and and on TV. You don't see land, but if you think back to when America was colonized. And the people that made the most money in America were the guys actually selling the dirt. Mm-hmm. And they did that for, for a reason, because if you want to be in a certain area, you, you have to own the dirt. Yeah. You, and, and that's the, the key to this. Uh, the second piece is institutional money. It doesn't it doesn't bode well for us. Um, you'll hear the term land is like an alligator because it eats you up with taxes. Right. There's It, it doesn't generate you money. Um But there's a flip side of that is it doesn't generate you money when you're buying and holding. But if you're in money in to money out and you're talking 100 days, it's a different story. It's now it becomes you're trading paper and you're just having that velocity of the deal. How can you speed it up, get the right product to the right people as fast as possible while making a profit
1: and continue to compound that? This is so good. And it's such an interesting conversation. And, you know, it makes me think back to like the mindset, right? A lot of people don't do it because they think it's harder or scarier than it really is. But it's all about opening your mind to, you know, really, the simple strategy is a simple process. And, you know, putting systems in place to allow you to capture those opportunities, allow you to scale what you're doing. So I just I just love this. And I think that it's opening the minds of many of the listeners today to say, you know, what am I overcomplicating? And what am I yeah. telling myself is not possible, whether it's, investing in one asset class or another, or whether it's personally, professionally or what have you, I just think it's really, really powerful what we're talking about here. But before we transition into some some of the stuff more personally for you and how you're investing yourself, where do you think most new investors struggle if they're really trying to you know apply some of the methods and strategies that you're talking about today?
0: Yeah, and that's a and, you know that's what we kind of specialized in. I, I told you earlier I, would, I uh, guest appeared on a podcast for six months. We did a lot of. I did a lot of consulting with one of my companies early on, uh, and, I, and I'm going to lead this into you for you. So we um, started doing a direct mail. I lost the job. I said, "Hey, what other asset classes can I use direct mail for?" I ended up buying an apartment complex with using a letter of intent with a blind offer on it, and I bought it and flipped that in two months. So I bought it, cash flowed for two months, and then sold out. I bought it for like three fifteen, sold it for four seventy five. Took that money and started a, a company where we joint ventured. With new investors. So if you didn't know how to do it and you weren't sure, I wouldn't give you a loan. I would put my money where my mouth is based on my valuation of the deal you brought to me. All you had to do was sell it. You could use the real estate agent. You still got 50% of the profit. And we did that to help people get started because there's a confidence piece. You, It's starting a business. Do you have the money to do it? Do you have the money to, to risk $2,000 in marketing cost right now? Most people kind of, hey, well, I mean, if it goes, well, do you have $2,000 for the education or Whatever that price is for the education, So two thousand for your education, two thousand for your marketing. Now you're four thousand in, and your wife's looking at you going, "Are you sure about this?" Because that might be everything you got. And if you if it is not, and you're in pretty good shape, now it's like, okay, I buy this first deal. Well, you're so anxious about that first deal coming on that you forget that it better have access, it better not have the bad topography. Please don't be a wetland. Please don't be a flood zone. You know, so that that first deal, if it doesn't burn them and they make money, they're hooked from there. And so it's just getting through understanding this isn't an ATM, it's a new business, and you have to invest in that business.
1: Yeah, it makes me think about checklists and the importance of checklists, especially if you're starting something new, because eventually it becomes second nature. It's like, well, yeah, of course, we need to check and make sure it's not in a wetlands. It's not flood zone. It's not, you know, it's got some environmental issue or all these other things, but and I don't know about you, Justin, but I get really busy and you get busy and you got all these things going on. And it's like, oh, I forgot the simplest thing to check if yeah. it's in a flood zone. And then I bought this property, right? So the importance of checklists, is there anything that you would add to that? No, that's it's, it's hit the nail on the head. It's And then the, it's, it's shifting your mindset that you're putting your money
0: to work and you are, so if it's savings account and it's 20,000 bucks in your savings account or it's $20,000 in an asset that's worth 40 to 60 that you bought. So you know that. And you have to get OK with that. And that's that's a that's a odd conundrum for a lot of people is is that not everybody's an entrepreneur. And, I, yeah. and I, I, I know a lot of your listeners are or they want to be. And some people just aren't wired for that risk hold or that that piece there, you know, and that's a, there's a yeah. gut check that has to happen.
1: Yeah. No, I couldn't agree more. And this is a really personal question. So feel free to say no, thanks. I'm not, not interested in asking it, but in terms of the, the cash that you're generating in the business and you're continuing mm-hmm. to build this monster, so to speak, and, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, what else are you doing with the capital or are you just re, reinvesting it back into the business or is there anything else you're doing? Man, that's a, that's a really good question. And I will answer it
0: because I think it's important. Um, and, and my clients have the same question too. So they say they come into this with some money. Uh, I always tell my clients that you want to do three turns before you do anything. So if I invest my $10,000 in, and I sell it for 25, then I take that 25 and I turn it again, that's the second turn, then I want to turn it again as my third turn. Those are the type of returns. We, my, I told you average money in money outs uh, 100 days. My average return is 135% over every deals in five years. Um, now when you get to a certain amount of money working and you're making 135% on average, that's what you know you, you just know that's where you're going to be or doubling your money and you've got 500 dollars $600,000 in cash out working, you have to think about what do I do next and what yep. that next step is. So right now we are, said we just bought a, a big subdivision that we're going to be working on. So we're working on some development. That's a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. So it holds cash a little bit longer. Um, I'm in the process of uh, buying an apartment complex. Again, a seven unit. Uh, it's in a bedroom community of Dallas-Fort Worth. And it has a lot next to it that's already been platted and ready to go ground up the plans are approved uh, for the other seven units so it'll be 14 units so me and my partner that we started plum with um, which is the joint venture company um, we're taking that we've 25 more land mortgages with that but we're going to build those rooms into that to build 40 to 60 doors to kind of have that generational wealth and passive income coming in so that's kind of where we're going with it um but you slow down the churn, sure but you but like i said earlier we look at that exit to build those mortgages out so if you have 25 at that company and my other company has 50 mortgages sitting out there and they're 10 and 12 years i can move that cash and offer that owner financing at a better rate to kind of put it away and kind of get it out of the the groove cuz the IRS has a really cool thing for raw land as long as it's not improved we don't pay all the taxes up front on our installment sale cuz we're a dealer we pay it out monthly over we go so we can move a lot of our inventory of profit and things that away
1: and and kind of play with the numbers love it man and it just gets more and more exciting as you go because it yeah. just keeps building on itself and i love hearing that because you know you're continuing to raise a bar right continue yep. to raise the bar in your outcome and and for the outcome of your life right and so let's talk a little bit about personally obviously before we we started this conversation you mentioned to me your your twins and, yeah. uh, obviously give me a little look behind the curtain and what, what's family life look like and how are you, how are you raising the bar family, family as well? Uh, yeah, man, that's a great question.
0: I, uh, we had twins, we went through me and my wife, we went through fertility. So I, I, if some people out there, they start the, they use the term we're trying, I had, you know, I, you hear people say, I'm trying to have kids. And, you know, some people are naturally blessed with that. We went through three years of not being able to, uh, my wife would go to the grocery store, see a lady that didn't look like she was a good mom with kids and they just eat her up. Um, we were blessed with twins and, uh, they're seven and a half now. And we, we race BMX bikes together. And That's so, awesome. um, it's kind of been fun. So if you go to my Instagram, you'll see pictures of me with all my kids. I have three kids and I, we have a surprise, uh, baby he's two and a half. And I, we call him big cheese. Cause he's, he's the boss baby. Like he, he <laughs> his name is, his name is Cason, but we call him Queso and Queso cheese, big cheese. Cause he's the boss, you know? Um, but it's, it's fun for us. We, this has really changed the dynamic of how I've parented, uh, going into real estate, uh, corporate America. I was at work at five in the morning. I was home at seven at night. Yep. I was a high, when you're a high performer, that's what you do, right? Yeah. You, your identity is tied to that. Um, you, you're going to succeed no matter what. And it's allowed me to slow down from that grind at work because I, I office out of my home and we have another studio that we, we record podcasts and stuff on, but I, uh, I get to be that dad that, I wanted as a kid and that's, I live my life that away now is, is be the person you needed when you were younger and not only for my kids, but for my friends and, and for uh, you know, colleagues that we meet because sometimes it's just one person showing interest or taking care trying to impact uh, your life that makes all the difference to them. And you don't realize that 30 minutes change somebody's trajectory. And so I kind of adopted that as you know. I said I lost my identity. I needed to find a new one. What does that new identity look like? Uh, for so long, it was one way, and now I'm able to change that and and make it so that I can be that person if I can.
1: Man, that's inspiring. It really is, and it and it really brings this entire conversation full circle because this is what's important, man. If you're able yeah. to be there with your kids. And obviously, you know, serve your wife and and really, man, I, I have to share a story, though, because you're talking about big cheese and queso. So my last name is Chesser, as you know, okay. and, and uh, in college, yeah. people would say, hey, Cheezer, right? They, they they would mispronounce my name, Cheezer. And so I was in a fraternity and the guys said, hey, you know, is Tyler Cheezer here? And of course, I'm like, hey, it's Chesser, guys, let's go. And so yeah. from then on, from the very first day I was in the fraternity, the entire way through college, people called me cheese, right? Yes. And so then they called me queso, then they called yeah. me cheddar, all these things. And so still I have friends from you know a decade plus ago that still call me this. So I love that. I love to hear that yeah. your son is also big cheese as well. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, dude. It's <laughs> and he, he's he's two and a half and he's extremely
0: smart, but he's he's uh doesn't talk very clear yet. So he's still working on that. He's kind of developing a little slow, not for any developmental reasons, other than he's just taking his time. Uh, he's got a big brother and big sister that are 90 to nothing. And so he, uh, he runs around on his strider bike at the track with his Jersey on and he just rah, And he's just, <laughs> he's the boss. And he tells you, I'll, I'll race everybody. I'll be everybody. <laughs> and it's just like, he's, he plays the role of the big cheese. Like I can't wait till he's in high school and he's on the mound and they go big cheese or big cheese is up to bat yes. because he, he ex- exemplifies that, that persona, but that's because we raise him, He's got his dad around him full time. He's got his mom around him full time. He's got his big brother and big sister who are hyped with him full time. He gets to see the energy of love and happiness and, and understanding that it's not about being depressed and being upset because I have to go do this.
1: It's we do what we want to do and we get to do that full time. Man, this is inspiring. It really is. And I can just feel your love for your family, which I just oh, admire. Yeah. I appreciate so much. What's your vision for your family, man? Where are you going in the next five, 10 years or so? Man, that's so the, the world as it sits right now, is a little crazy,
0: right? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're coming out of a pandemic, uh, depending on wh- whatever side of the aisle you fall on, the world has changed. And yeah. I, I would say, if you ask me last January, what five years looks like, it's totally different today than what I think looks like. The yeah. Good thing. I'm going to say there's good that's come out of this pandemic. Um, the sense community of our neighborhood, our neighbors, we know on a first name basis, we were stuck at home with them for, you know, so know. long. Um, we we have gotten closer as a family um the idea of this paradise somewhere else or whatever that looks like we have found that it's internal and it's it's in our house we make it what it's worth and i'm not going to say that it's not also had its rough spots because you're internal you're stuck at home you're your triggers your stressors outside of the world and so we've all had to work through that me and my wife included um but for me my 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 timeline is my kids getting out of high school and getting into college if that's what they choose And right now here is where the best thing for us is because they have both, they have three sets of grandparents. They're, they're nearby. Uh, they got cousins around. Um, My, my old ego persona would have told you I want to be in the Caribbean working virtually, just cashing (laughs) a check, living on a beach, whether I'm bartending part-time because I just want to talk to people. But realistically, I understand that I want to work as hard as I can to generate passive or this worth to where when it comes time for them to make their decisions on how their life, the trajectory for their life is, I can be there to support that wholly and fully. And that's a, that's a different mindset than maybe a year ago. And I'm still evolving that and dialing Mm -hmm. it in, but it's a, you know, I see my business, I see myself flying around the country doing these big subdivides four or five times a year doing capital raises with that. But I also see what my family, I don't want to take away from that travel or that time with my family travel, because I take my kids to school every day. I I am the last thing they see before they walk in that school building. I told you I'm their hype man. I'm my friend's (laughs) hype man. They are hyped up when they go to school. They're ready. They're calm. The stress of not eating a breakfast fast enough or whatever that is, we get to take care of. And I get to bring it back down, have them focused. And the cool thing is they're in first grade and both of them read at a fourth grade level. You know, that's, that's why we do what we do.
1: Yeah. It's important for us to all think about, you know, our presence and our children's lives and the people around us. And, you know, we're not just doing this real estate thing just to do this real estate thing. Yeah. We're not just making money just to make money or have this selfish vision of ourselves. And let's be open to an evolving vision, right? And and times yeah. change and our, and our priorities change. So what is that? And man, I just, you're my hype man. Now I want you to follow <laughs> me around. I'm getting hyped for this conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Justin, I want to transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the okay. rare air questionnaire. It's all about cool. this conversation, man. It's about being uncommon. It's about making uncommon decisions, developing uncommon systems so that you can live an uncommon life with your yeah. children, with the people that you care about and for the causes that you care about. So let's talk about a few things. The first thing gonna, I want to I want to ask you is if you were to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why?
0: Oh, dude, I, I know you want me to say like rich dad, poor dad or something, <laughs> like that, but I'm going to tell you No, 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 no. I I love the book. I'm not talking about Robert Kiyosaki's ideas are great. It gets us all going, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to I'm going to pivot from that because as you've seen, Amazon mold from selling books only to selling anything they could possibly think of selling. Yep. Us as humans have to do kind of something similar. We have so much information at our fingertips right now on our iPhone. We get on Google. You can learn enough to start to put an idea in place in a morning. So for me. I, I've used Blinkist before, and you know, 15 minute reads just to kind of keep myself up with new books. But I love the idea of taking um, ideas and, and googling and understanding. Like, so for us with our note investing, like, what what is note investing, and like, how do you season a note, and things like that? I could spend an hour in the morning and be able to tell you all about it because I read three or four blogs, a couple articles, and some excerpts of books, and then I could have a couple leading people who I need to go to and follow to see about it, right? And I would challenge people, you know, instead of looking backwards at two to three books that really pivoted, you know, I could tell you where the red Fern grow really made me sit morally, <laughs> um, but it's, it, or old Yeller, how it, how it affected me about the love of a dog, you know, but it's when we talk about us and now how we develop ourselves is using the resources around us and taking Google and, and looking at those type things and maybe looking for something just outside of your niche that you can overlay into your niche. Because when you build a business and you figure out the recipe to be successful in one place, it's easy to layer on another successful business. Then you see opportunity again, you do it again. Then you see it again and do it again. Next thing you know, you have a couple arms to your business and they're all successful. And people are like, "Well, how do you how are you always successful?" Well, you're not reinventing the wheel. You're like you said earlier, we're not reinventing it. We're just making it fit to what we already do.
1: Yeah. And that's one, of the, that's one of the reasons why I've become so obsessed with learning and just being curious and finding patterns because patterns in other industries or even outside of business, we can layer into our approach with business and yeah. real estate investing and it can apply and we can maybe be innovative. Innovative thinking isn't creating something new. It's about identifying patterns and applying them in a new direction. Would you agree with exactly that? Exactly right. You, yeah. I, I love memes because they always tell us they tell us
0: good and bad and they make us laugh sometimes. But you see the the business person who buys the lemon in bulk and then sells the lemon or you take the the entrepreneur, takes the lemon and squeezes it. Right. Yes. And, and, and he makes a lemonade. And so he didn't invent the lemon. He just used it a different way. And we can do that with so many things out there. You know, uh, oil and gas, for instance, uh, has gone out and made parcel maps. So it's easy for them to do it. Well, as a land investor, that's a perfect way for me to have a tool that has the parcel already identified, I can check my access a lot easier. And so I use it for just a minuscule point of what they do, but it allows me to
1: overlay another niches idea on my niche and move forward. That's so good, that's so good. So Justin, aside from our discussion today, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? It, so that we talked about that earlier in the hour, one of the things that I do is I, I look
0: for ways to, I don't wanna say charity because I don't feel as charity. I told you I like to be people's hype man my natural being is that like, I, I, I find solace in that. So whether it's being the friend at the gym, you talk to uh, being that person that you smile with. Um, but it's always looking for that opportunity where I see more. Um, what's the word? Oh, success. I've I'm, I'm drawn a blank on the word I want to use, but um, potential. When I see potential in somebody that they don't see in themselves, I want to point it out. And I, and I, I elevate myself, and I, maybe this is the wrong way you want me to answer, but this is the way I elevate myself bigger because I get to get to know them, and that potential they see is going to be different than my potential. Yeah. And if I can help them do that, it's I've created this network, and we we know the cliche: net worth is worth your network is. And I can guarantee I probably know somebody that does almost
1: anything that you need to know because I have done this my whole life. Oh my gosh, I can tell how selfless you are just by the way that you answer that question. So I just want to acknowledge you for that, first of all, because oh thanks. There's not a lot of times where you ask about, hey, how are you elevating yourself? Where people talk about how they're really elevating other people, which is, you know what, you're getting ahead of me here a little bit because <laughs> I want to know how are you elevating other people around you? Is there anything else that you would say about that? Oh uh, man, it's you know, like
0: I had lunch with a guy the other day. He wanted to start a t-shirt business. And I I have through corporate America I always had kind of a side hustle. I've owned a private label. Um dropship company with Amazon. We did. Uh, we had had a supplement company in 2015, 16. We were one of the number one proteins in the country. We had, I, I want to say it was like 50 different SKU numbers. Um, wow. We ended up getting, it's, it's a funny story. We ended up getting sued by a, a major corporation, Gambria, and they took us to court. We beat them in court. And then they're like, okay, hey, well that that offer, you offered us the settlement. Will you, will you let us take it out? And we're like, okay, sure. So we closed it down. But When you open a brand and you do things like that, you do it. So I had lunch with this guy who wants to start a t-shirt company and never ran a business before. And so just having lunch with him and kind of going through just little things that he's going to see, understanding, Hey, yes, you can get the same quality for cheaper. You might have to buy in bulk, but if you can make it print to order, this is how you do this. And just kind of lining him up. And I said, Hey, I got a guy that knows how to do that. Introduce him to that guy. His cost went from $13 a t-shirt to $8 a t-shirt. And he didn't have to carry inventory anymore because it was printed direct for him. And so just a little tweak like that, his businesses could be viable now. It's, it went from him running around to make a couple hundred bucks. Now he's tripling or he's doubling his profit and he's, he's doing less work and he has more time for his family and he's getting to get this message. And the reason I bring his company up because it's called Cool Kid Legacy and it, it leaves no kid behind. It says all kids are cool uh, in their own right. And if you think about us as kids in high school or junior high or elementary you had different classes of people. And I won't say classes in a bad way, just different groups. You had the band guys, you had the jock guys, you had the popular, you had the skaters, you had whatever, but everybody's cool in that circle. Like they, they all have their own way. And so he, and that's his story. And, his, and it's because he was adopted. He didn't know. And so to me seeing some transitions like that and just elevating that piece and looking for that story and helping people say, teach that, that's the cool thing for me. No, and, that, and that helps super. elevate
1: me. That's yeah. amazing and uh you know it's really cool too because you think about it cool is so subjective right oh yeah we all get to define what cool is and it's not about the event but it's the meaning we attach to it and you know are you cool i mean yeah absolutely we're all cool right so anybody listening to this you are cool and you have any opportunity to do anything you want in your life and justin man this has been a phenomenal episode i really really appreciate you taking time and you know what you are really Leading by example because I know I got to get you on your way so that you can go spend your afternoon with your kids who are coming home from school today. And <laughs> yeah. so I really appreciate that. But is there any other parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd share with Elevate Nation?
0: Oh man, um, I no. i want to I'm to I want just to take this in and just uh, re-listen to the episode, re-download it, re-listen to it, and and take it in because it's this is. I'm, I'm not. I'm not perfect. I'm an imperfect human like everybody. And it's us consciously knowing that and working on those weaknesses was what makes us better. And that will elevate us all. If we, if we knowingly say, Hey, this is what I'm not great at. And I know that and, and start to work to make it better because oftentimes when we find success, we, we use our ego gets in the way and we get that bravado. And I, I could have came on flashed an expensive watch, you know, put my, my sports car in the background or my nice house and everything. And, uh, it's for show that's for ego. Um, I would say just become one with looking at what you you're good at and what you're
1: not double down on what you're good at, slowly work on what you're not, and you, you will we'll all elevate together. Justin, you're awesome, man. Uh, I look forward to many, many more conversations together cool. and uh, I know Elevate Nation got so much value today. So I definitely want to echo your sentiments, re-listen to the show, but Justin, where can the listeners learn more about you and follow you along your journey?
0: Yeah, man. If, they, if they're listening to your podcast, I know they like podcasts. We do have one. It's uh, 15 minutes. It's not very long. It's uh, once a week, every Friday. It's Casual Fridays, REI. Um, you can catch that on any place you listen to. You can listen to podcasts. Go to our website there uh, on our Instagram and Facebook, same name, Casual Fridays, REI. It's me and my partner, Adam. Uh, but personally, you can catch me as Sleeve of 32 on Instagram and kind of watch us with the family and the kids. And you can see if I'm, if
1: I'm blowing smoke or if I'm telling the truth. <laughs> Justin Sleva, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Wow. Elevate Nation. I just want to encourage you to re-listen to the show. As Justin just mentioned, and identify what are your top three key distinctions? What are your top three takeaways that you can apply immediately? And then go ahead and pay it forward and share this with a friend, share this with a colleague, share this with your business partner, share this with your family members. I mean, my goodness, there's so much goodness here and there's so much that we can apply to our own strategies or maybe we can evolve into a new strategy, whether it's real estate investing uh, in land or otherwise, right? So what is that strategy and what can you apply? What patterns did you identify today that are applicable for you that you can go ahead and apply and take action on today. So of course, as you know, the key here is to take massive action. And at the end of the day, Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.